become discouraged. People become discontented. And then the fourth one is people become disassociated. Now, I preached on that a couple of weeks ago. And remember what I told you, that burnout starts when the image in the mind that's built up out of fantasy or out of sometimes unrealistic thinking, the, the imagery about a situation in the mind does not play out in reality. Therefore, it leads to uh, a disillusionment. And when a person becomes disillusioned, they are opened up for discouragement. When your mind or your heart becomes weakened uh, by what you think should be that isn't, your life becomes discouraged. And then before you know it, you're discontented because discouragement always breeds discontentment. And if you're not careful, you'll become disconnected or disassociated. That's where many are tonight outside the house of God, outside of fellowship, and outside of any communion with God or God's people. Now, that's the reality of burnout. And by that, I mean a discouraged spirit. I'm talking about uh, a weakening attitude. I'm talking about a ministry that you're halfway doing or something in your life that's lost its luster. A marriage can get there, can it not? A job can get that way. You're just going to get paid. Uh, I hope more of you are working jobs that you enjoy more than you just pick up a check for. I hope you're more valuable in your own eyes and in your own heart than that. God doesn't want you going to a place you hate every day just for pinto beans and cornbread. God wants your life to have value in it. I, I don't preach because I get paid. I preach because there's value in it. It does for people what God wants it to, and that value will feed me. Are you listening? If you will cause your life to become what God wants it to be, out of becoming what God wants you to be, the value that you produce will be the value that will produce what you need. So, we see the reality of it. Then I want you to see, secondly, the reason of it. The reason for it, or the reason of it. Why in the world, somebody would ask, does God allow somebody to get weary or to get weak? Well, number one, remember I've told you before, God is not the author of everything going on. God does add purpose to everything happening. That means He's God enough to take what the devil thought He could throw on you and turn it around, Romans 8, 28, mix it up real good, confuse the devil with it real good, and then bring it out to have purpose for your life. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, the devil will come around and get you fired. God will turn around and give you a better job. Now, don't blame God because you lost your job. Give God glory because you got another one. God's not the author of confusion, and nor he is He the author of the things Satan will bring towards you and at you. But he will lend purpose to everything the devil does. Listen to this, a thought. The devil does not know the next thing God will do. But God does know the next thing the devil's going to do. <laughs> now, the devil is an ignorant playmate. But God 
is a sovereign friend. The devil does not know what's going to happen next. He knows what he's going to do next. But God has the whole plan in view. The reason for it. Well, God will allow... Give me those glasses, son, if you will, out of that. Right in that little box there. Uh, The reason for it. Why will God or why will situations develop to the point that I'm starting to feel worthless and useless in my set of circumstances or in my situation? Number one, God will let burnout come to somebody to redeem them. To redeem them. Did you know... God will let you start feeling a little bit different about what you're doing. God will let you feel a little bit different about where you're living. God will bring unrest to your vocation and your job. God will let sickness come into your life so that He can get you flat on your back somewhere to where He can get to you and redeem you. And the very thing that you think is burnout that's going to burn you out is God Almighty trying to run the devil out of the place that he's trying to take over and burnout will lead you to getting out of hell and the devil and the devil's crowd. God sometimes will let burnout come to your spirit to redeem you. There's a soldier at Fort Gordon gave me this testimony. He said, Preacher, he comes here every Sunday. He's here for about 20 weeks. He said, I joined the army because I got mad at my daddy. He, I guess he was tired of following rules and doing what he was told. Bless his heart. He said, I'll just find me a place where I don't have to do what I'm told. So he joined the service. <laughs> and, and he told me, he said, my, my whole past was in disarray. He said, my life at home wasn't nothing. My job wasn't nothing. He said, it was absolutely pitiful. He said, and I joined the service to get away from it all. And he said, I came to Augusta and said, somebody gave me a track from this church and said, in my disarray and in my discontentment and in my disappointments, God drove me to Calvary. Give the Lord an old-fashioned prayer. God will redeem you by allowing circumstances to burn you out so that He can bring you in. There's another reason uh, for it, why God allows it to happen, to reassign you. To reassign you. Just put them up any way you want to, son. It's all right. We understand you're a teenager. <laughs> He'll do it to reassign. I changed these on him right at the last minute. We're following the Holy Ghost. Just follow with me. To reassign you. When I was at Broad Street pastoring, I was there almost four years. I started losing interest in wanting to go to work. I went, but I wasn't having near the enthusiasm I know I needed. I started losing a want to to take this Bible and preach it like I knew it ought to be preached. I thought 
I was backsliding and I was doing basically everything God wanted me to. I just wasn't doing it with the same pizzazz that I had had at first. I was getting in my heart and my mind along in the ministry best I knew how, but everything I was doing was turning sour. Couldn't get a program to work. And the program that did work, the deacon fought it. And then, if it wasn't a deacon, it was a deacon's wife. If it wasn't a deacon's wife, it was a committee that didn't want to do anything but committee the committee. We met five nights a week trying to figure out how to kill what God was trying to do, basically. One night, I went to church. I sat on the platform, and I said, God, I can't go no further. I can't keep this up. I don't like it a lick. He said, resign. I said, do you mean it? He said, I don't say nothing I don't mean. Get up and tell them you're not coming back. I said, what am I going to do then? He said, that ain't none of your business. Do what I told you now. And whatever I want you to do will be there when you get there. But you ain't going to never know it before you get there. I got up and told them, this is my last service. I bowed out of the pulpit. And for one month, I stayed there, helped them get a preacher. And you know the rest of that story better than I do. God moved into my spirit and, and, and brought to my spirit a discontentment that was not brought to me to hurt me, but it was brought to me to reassign me. Sometimes in your ministry in college, sometimes in Sunday school, sometimes in ministry, God will want you reassigned and He knows you won't move by faith because you like the attention and you don't want nobody down at the church that thinks you're a quitter. So you'll stay in the same ministry to keep anybody from thinking you're quitting. And so what does He do? He pulls the plug on your enthusiasm, makes it so miserable that you can't stand it Mm-hmm. And he'll run you out of that hole like a rat. Am I right about it? And what will he use? He'll use burnout to do it. To reassign you. And number three, he'll do it to rest you. To rest you. Sometimes you got the full barrels open. I got the full barrels open. I mean, if I had eight barrels, I'd burn high tests and keep them open if it was up to me in this ministry. But God knows how strong and how long you can do what you're doing. And what will He do? He will cause you sometimes to get discontented and disturbed with what's going on so that He can get you in a place to where He can get your attention and He will rest you so He can redeem and reassign your heart with enthusiasm to what He wants you to do. Oh, my soul. You know, can I testify just a moment? One of the hardest things i ever done in my life, I just came through it. One of the hardest things, and I'm not through it yet. I'm still 
having to toy with it a little bit. In this, in this little bout, I had with discouragement a little bit, and, and, and the hospital, and the hospital, and the hospital, and, and, and what they done coming undone, and what they undone and done come undone again, and all of that was nothing in the world but God taking an opportunity to say, Hey, come here. If you won't stop, I'll stop you. And He'll set you down in the corner where nobody wants to be. And He doesn't do it because He doesn't like you serving Him. He just wants you to do it longer. <laughs> so what does He do? He sets you down and tells you, I want you to do this, 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 and this, and God will rest you. Listen, some of you here have done a whole lot in this ministry, and I appreciate it. Don't ever, don't ever feel bad about taking a Sunday or two and doing something else. Or don't ever, you don't have a preacher here that today, a couple of the men called and said, Preacher, we've uh, ha- we got an opportunity to do something, and uh, we're going to, we're going to, uh, if it's all right, and it's not going to cause a problem, uh, we're going to take a couple of days off of it. I said, hey, that's, number one, I, I, I'm not their daddy. I'm not your daddy. I'm Chris's daddy. I'm not your daddy. He's enough. Don't give me no more trouble. My pole pacer can't pace that long and that strong. But don't feel bad every once in a while. Because you're right. The first time I ever went to pastor school, I went 10 years to pastor school in Hammond. And I heard Brother Hiles get up and talk about how he never took a vacation. And I, got, I heard others get up and say it's been six months or a year since they had a day off. I just love it. I'm after it. I'm going to, Well, all that may or may not be true. I will say this, that, that uh, a, a whole lot uh, of what I do it's more restful than it looks like. This past week, I got to spend two days uh, out of town preaching the gospel. I got to sleep a little longer in the morning. I got to take a nap, which I never get to do at home. I took a nap in the afternoon at the preacher's house, and then I preached that night and stayed up till 1 o'clock in the morning because I rested too much that day. So... Just because you're not taking vacations don't mean you're not going places. That's a little deceiving, you see. So some of these fellows said, I ain't took a day off in 20 years. No, but you preached a week in Hawaii last year. Come on. Don't give me that. I'm, I fell off a wagon, but it wasn't yesterday. So don't, don't ever feel bad about about resting. Let me let me give you let me give you the third one. The first one was the reality. The second one is the reason. Uh, look with me at the remedy for just a minute for burnout, real quick. Let me give you these. If we can get our computer whiz in the back to cooperate with us, all right? I'm gonna give you some things to write down. I'm just gonna give them to you. I don't have much to say about them. Write them down. Number one, uh, look with me if you will, please, and write these down. In um, that is Genesis 20, 9 and 10, but that's okay. You're a teenager. Genesis 20, 9 and 10 says six days. If, if Ephesians has 20 chapters, son, 
You're not even a teenager. It's probably a college student or a future college student in the sound room. But quickly he can make up for his mistakes. See, Genesis 29 and 10. Six days thou shalt work, but on the seventh day God rested. He said, it is a Sabbath unto the Lord. And he said, you won't do anything on the Sabbath day. Number one, stop and look. If you're here tonight and you're under some pressure in your marriage, in your job, in your business, in your church ministry, stop, just stop. Just say, all right, enough is enough. And sit down and start reassessing and looking at where you are. Is what I'm doing worth it? Is it worth my health? Is it worth my life? Is God getting any glory out of the way I feel? Am I doing what I'm doing to stay away from what I should be doing? Or am I just doing what I'm doing to please myself? I have to always ask myself, these questions, I'm, I'm, I have to be very careful in what I'm doing to make sure that I'm not doing it to serve my own uh, self. Stop and look at your situation. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Do we have those, son? Ephesians 5, uh, 15 and 16. Um, maybe not. Ephesians... For Dear Jesus, bring Timmy home quick. Here we go. <laughs> See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming or making the best out of what you have with your time because the days that you're living in are evil. In other words, don't waste your time. Sit down. Stop. And look at what's going on in your life. Get somebody else's appraisal of what they think about your situation. And again, don't let anybody condemn you, and you call it conviction, about your role in God's will. You know what you need to do. Listen to me, Travis. When you are working in that mission like you're working and adding days to... That mission as you've been adding days, and I think you're open every day but one. Now, uh, oh my, how the devil will attack every area around you. And don't ever feel like this church expects you to let everything about you fall off into corruption because you made a commitment to a place. You just stop and look. Check up every once in a while. Is what I'm doing glorifying the Lord. I'm tired, preacher. Somebody says, well, maybe you need to lighten the load a little. Maybe you need to sit down and look and take stock in what's going on and ask yourself, what's giving God glory? Boy, I'm preaching to myself tonight. I didn't get this out of somebody's book or tape. I got this out of my bullheadedness and hard-headedness. Oh, what preachers expect out of other preachers means something to every preacher. (laughs) 
I have, I have people that, I, how many did I tell you today, there's about 12 or 13 people called me since Friday, want me to come preach for them. And half of them was the same date. They all said it was the will of God. And this goes to show you, they don't know where God is. But you can't go to the one. And, and six of them said, I believe the Lord had you to come to our place December. And it's December because they hadn't made any pre-planning in the summer to get nobody, and now they're trying to get me because they know I'm stupid. Huh. I mean, I said I just can't do it. Oh, my soul. They want to know why. I said, it ain't the will of God. One of them said, well, why else? What else is it? Really? No, no, really. Why don't you want to come? Not enough, God told you no. You've got to have some negative reason not to want to go. That's not it. I sat down. When you turn 56, you'll start doing this a little bit more. And look at where I am and what I'm doing and what I got left. I want to redeem the time because I got none to waste. You see? And if spending every minute of it here pleases God, hallelujah, I'm for it. I'm for it. Matter of fact, I'm for it more than you think. I like it here better than anywhere else in the country. And I enjoy it. Let me give you the second one. Not only, not only do we want you to stop and look, but sit and list. Sit and list. What do I love about what I'm doing? What am I willing to die for? What am I tired of? Where am I wasting my time? How can I cut back enough to enjoy it again? Did you know you can enjoy one thing you have that you don't enjoy now? Did you know you can build an enjoyment again for what you don't like now? It can happen in marriage. If you will do what you've done together, you can refire the emotions you need to keep. If you'll work at it. Now, it's not going to be as easy the second time. Did you know that job you've got that you're tired of and burnt out on and that ministry, that Sunday school class you look at every Sunday and wish to goodness somebody else had it, but you won't quit because you're embarrassed for everybody to think you're a quitter. Listen closely to me tonight. Listen real close. Sit down and list with a pen and pencil what is it that's going to bring God glory? What changes do I need to make to get my enthusiasm back? And don't let yourself sit there in arrogant religious pride and miss out on the best thing God's got for you. And that is the will of God. God may be done with you with what you're doing. I, I rode by here today by myself. I was up, up at the top of the hill. I had to go up and get some gas, come back down the hill. And I looked up on the hill as I was going home. And the thought hit me. What would I do if I ever rode by here and my name wasn't on that sign? What would I do if I rode by here and looked up on top of this hill and somebody else was the preacher? I don't know what in the world I would do or what I'd think about it, but I know this today, it would break me into, it'd break my heart 
because this is the will of God for me today. Now, it may change tomorrow, but I'm doing everything I can to keep my enthusiasm fresh and my vision and my joy hyped up. Why? Because this is the will of God for my life. My marriage is the will of God for my life. Preaching is the will of God for my life. Leadership in this fellowship is the will of God for my life. Sit down and list. Number three, quickly. Number three, stoop and listen. Yes, sir. Stop and look. Assess your situation. Then sit down and do some serious thinking and some pondering in your life. Then slip down out of the chair on your knees and listen to what God starts speaking in your spirit. And I promise you, as you begin to beller out to Him those emotions that you feel, He'll empty you out so He can fill you up with His own power. That place of prayer, that sweet hour of prayer, is the place that God will strengthen you and help you. And here's the fourth one. Stand and lead. You will never stand and lead before you stoop and listen. And you will never stoop and listen until you sit down and list why you ought to go to God. And you'll never sit and list anything until you stop in your tracks and look at what you're doing and ask yourself some serious questions about what's going on. Am I right about it? Stand up with us, please. All over the building. Holy Spirit, thank You for Your help. Thank You for Your strength. Thank You for Your children. And thank You, Lord, for a good night at church where our young people got to sing and our church people got to enjoy it. Now, Lord, many people are discouraged with how things are going in their lives. Who should I marry? Where should I preach? How should I teach? Or where should I teach? Or will you ever give me a place to serve? Now, Lord, tonight we know that every one of us are gifted in some area. And whatever that area is, I pray tonight you'll help us. In Jesus' wonderful name, I pray you'll help us to be able to see your work and your word come to fruit in our lives. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' wonderful name and for His sake. Amen.